Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is brought to our church by our assistant pastor, Carlos Farias. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. All right, Romans 13, verses 8 through 14. It says, Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law, and that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, but not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering or wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. And so in Romans chapter 13, the very first part of it, Paul is writing about a Christian's responsibility to the state. And he just talks about how the government is instituted by God and how as a Christian, he was just telling them, you know, pay your taxes and just have that responsibility to the state. But in the latter half of chapter 13, he talks about a Christian's greatest responsibility. And that's our responsibility to love. Your love in today's world has been twisted. The true definition of love and what love actually consists of and what love should be. In today's culture, love has become very selfish. The world uh, teaches you to have more of a self-love. Take care of yourself first before taking care of others. And people who love with a selfish gain or selfish motivation, that's not love. That's not what true love is today. Even Christians, our love is being consumed by other things. Uh, The distractions of life, the busyness of life, our love can be motivated by other things. And this passage of scripture gives us a great reminder that we should not be the priority of our lives. And that's hard to hear sometimes because we often love ourselves a little too much. And as as Paul is writing here, I just want to challenge you today uh, to love better. And as a Christian, if we love the Lord our God with all of our soul, all of our heart, and all of our mind, it'll be way easier for us to love our neighbor as ourselves. In in, uh, John chapter 9, in verse 16, it says this. I have those slides on the. It says, Then delivered he him, therefore, unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of a school, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him, and either side, one and Jesus in the midst. And so in this passage of scripture, we read about Jesus' crucifixion. And every time I read about the crucifixion, it just, it, it motivates me and helps me reflect. And I, I saw this quote, it says, By a beautiful paradox of divine love, God makes his cross the very means of our salvation and our life. We have slain him, we have nailed him there and crucified him, 
but the love in his eternal heart cannot be extinguished. He willed to give us the very life we slew, to give us the very food we destroyed, to nourish us with the very bread we buried, and the very blood we poured forth. He made our very crime into a happy fault. He turned a crucifixion into a redemption, a consecration into a communion, a death into life everlasting. No matter how many times we read about the account of the crucifixion, it should cause us to reflect how we're living our lives. Because sometimes we get too used, we get used to the Bible. We get used to knowing what Christ did for us, and we kind of just put it in the back of our mind. But it helps us take our focus off of ourselves. Because when we realize why Christ did what he did, it wasn't for his own gain. It was for us. And we... It causes us to reflect if we're loving those around us with the giving and sacrificial love that Jesus had for us. And if we're being honest with ourselves, so oftentimes our love becomes circumstantial. And we, we start to love based off of how someone treats us or what happens in our day. But something that we need to do daily is die to ourselves and die to our flesh because our flesh is the one that wants to get even with someone. Our flesh wants to try to get revenge on somebody. But as Christ has commanded us, we, have to love, we should love those around us. And as Paul writes here in this chapter, the way that we love and care for people will truly have an impact for Christ. And I, was, I just want to ask the question, will people who know us say, do you, have, do you have a Christ-like love or a selfish love? I want us to notice from Romans chapter 13 how we can love better. First, firstly, today, I want to see our debt to love. Look down in your Bibles at verse number eight. It says, Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. If you are a born-again Christian today, if you know Christ as your Savior, it's your responsibility to love others. And the Greek word there for, uh, for O is ophilo which means to be in debt for, there are debts that can be paid off. And something that will stick with us as long as we live is our debt to love. Some, some people here might have a credit card that, or a, a medical bill or just a college loan, something that when you pay off, you're, you're not responsible for that anymore. And when you're done paying off that credit card or medical bill, they're not going to come knocking on your door and say, hey, you got another payment for us? No, they're not going to do that. But our responsibility, our debt to love, that won't go away. That's something that you, you can't take away from your account, and that's, a, that's okay. That's a good thing because as we walk this earth, no matter how old you are or how young you are, we can all be an example in the way we love others. Loving people, it shouldn't be a burden. Um, but there are people that are harder to love. Is, it, is that not true? Okay. There are, it can be challenging to love like Christ because if you think about it, Christ loved us in our state, our brokenness, our, our sin, our wickedness. And so it is challenging to love others. But if we want to follow Christ's example, uh, we, will find, we will find joy in loving others. The Bible has a lot to say about how we view ourselves and how we view others. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 it says, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, 
being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem uh, other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. In verse 2 there, Philippians uh, 2, verse 2, it says, Be ye like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. We know the Bible has a lot to say about unity within believers. It's very important that we as Mosley Baptist Church have unity and the same mind and the same love because if we can't have unity with ourselves, we're going to struggle having unity with people outside the church who aren't believers. And we know that later in Philippians chapter 2, it talks about Christ and his humility and how he esteemed himself lower than us because he humbled himself to the death of the cross. It's very hard for us to do that, is what it says in verse number uh, three. To be a lowliness of mind, to esteem each other better than themselves. And as Christians, we ought to be uh, humble with each other, to live a life that, res- that resembles what Jesus did for us in humility. And I know that's something we can all grow in every day, is our humility. It takes humility to love others. It takes humility to love someone who wronged you. It takes humility to love someone who knows how to get under your skin and, and bugs you a little more. It takes humility to, to be a Christian because our flesh doesn't want anything to do with spiritual things. The way we treat other people will speak volumes to our testimony. If we claim to be Christians this morning, do our actions back up our words? There's a quote I wanted to share. It says, we may pay our taxes and be quit. We may give respect and honor where they are due and have no further obligation, but we can never say, I have done all the loving I need to do. Love, then, is a permanent obligation, a debt, impossible to discharge. We are deceiving ourselves if we believe our obligation to love others will end. We're going to have to love people as long as we live, and if, if we have to do it, we might as well do it the right way, the proper way that Jesus wants us to love, that God wants us to love. And I know, that, I know for a fact that as I was studying this passage of Scripture, God just challenged me to love better. You see, I work, I work here at Mosley Baptist Church, but I also work at Taco Bell. Okay, so I know for a fact he put this message on my heart because I have to practice this every single time that I'm at Taco Bell because people are very mean sometimes, okay, and... Uh, they like to yell at us and do whatever, and so this is a great message for me. Okay? I, love, I love this, okay? Fast food. If you ever work fast food, you know what I'm talking about. And if you want to be, uh, if you want to be better at something, okay, you have to put in work. Whoever here has a, a profession or anything, whether you want to learn a hobby or whatever, you have to put in the effort. You have to put in the work to be better. And that's, that's what it is as a Christian, you don't just become a Christian. Everything all of a sudden just comes so naturally to you. It's something that you have to put work in to make an effort to be better, to really try. And there's, there's people in this room from all backgrounds of life, whether you've been saved for just a couple years or a few years or a decade or more than a decade. We all come from different backgrounds of life. But one thing we can all do is love better because the more we live, the more experience we have, sometimes we get a little more comfortable. 
And Christ doesn't want us to live in comfortable Christianity. It's uncomfortable to reach out to someone to love them in a Christ-like way when you want to get even, when you want to have revenge in your heart. And if we desire to love better, then we should love our neighbor as ourselves. If you will, look down in verse number nine. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Paul is echoing the words of Jesus in this passage here in Matthew 22 and verse 36. It says, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. This morning, I'm not just getting up here and telling you some things that I think that we should do better. I'm, I'm trying to challenge us today to with the words of Christ, to love better, to love your neighbor as yourself. And I don't want to get up here and just give you what I think. I want to share what, what God wants us to hear from his word. And Paul just echoing it here in Romans. And, I, and you know, Paul in Romans 1, he even wrote about being in debt to share the gospel with others. And so Paul recognizes his debt to share the gospel, to love others, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Who here interacts with people on a daily basis? All right, yeah, everyone, okay, everybody. And so we are all just walking through this journey, this life, and our, mo- our motto here at Mosley Baptist Church is real people, real life, and real change. And we're going to interact with so many different people, especially in church, and we just got to love on them. You never know what someone is going through, right? And you could be that person who just walks up and say, hey, it's good to see you. I love you. I'm praying for you. And that has so much of an impact that you may never even know. And love, it goes a long way. And if you've, you've been there before, when you, you felt neglected and someone came up to you and encouraged you, and how much did that mean to you? And let's be that for somebody else this week. I saw a quote here from uh, Charles Spurgeon. It says, No man can compass the ends of life by drawing a little line around himself upon the ground. No man can fulfill his calling as a Christian by seeking the welfare of his wife and family only, for these are only uh, a sort of a greater self. A lot of times in Christianity, we kind of just draw a little line around ourselves, right? We kind of get comfortable in our little Christianity circle, and we just stay there. We, we freeze. But we have an obligation not only to those around us, our family, but to others as well. The Bible has a lot to say of how fellow believers in, in Christ should treat each other. And how, how we should also treat unbelievers as well. And let's not draw a line around ourselves and say, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to focus on myself and those around me and nobody else. Because we know for a fact that's not how Christ wants us to live our life. The things we say to people will matter. The words we choose uh, will stick. And I don't know about you, but when someone says something negative to you, it, you, don't, you don't forget it. right? You don't, you don't forget something that someone says to you that tears you down. 
And if we do the same thing to someone else, they're going to feel the same way. We must be aware that our tongue could do a lot of damage and that we should be wise with our words and our actions. It says in Proverbs 15, verse number four, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. Ephesians 4, 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. James 1, 26, if any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. I pray that we're the kind of people today that speak grace and truth into people's life. A lot of times we, we speak before we think, and we, we burst out on somebody and we can't take it back. And I pray that we're not the people that tear somebody down, but build them up and edify them. And a lot of times as Christians, there's, there's, you know, there's a reason why there's so many people uh, who's, who say that, oh, Christians, they are hypocrites. They, they don't practice what they preach. It's because someone who claimed to be a Christian, they ruined that, uh, that perception. They ruined that perception of, someone, of someone's perception of God. And so let's be careful how we, how we treat others, how we speak to them, and what we say to them. Our love is a true measure of our obedience to God. And it was amazing to me that Paul is writing here in Romans 13. Look at there in verse number uh, 8 again. He says at the very end, For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. And so Paul is writing to, in Romans here, that if you, if you just do this one commandment, to love thy neighbor as yourself, you, you can fulfill all these other commandments. And that's how powerful our love is today. That's how powerful it is for you to love in the correct way. I don't know about you, but I can always work on loving better and more like Christ. Let's not pass up the opportunity to grow in our Christianity. The way we treat others is not only a testimony to our character, but also how others will perceive God. Let me say that one more time. The way we treat others is not only a testimony to our character, but also how others will perceive God. Today, if, you, if people know that you claim to be a Christian, if they know that you go to church on Sundays and maybe during the week or that you claim to, that you profess Christ, if you treat someone poorly, if you, if you lash out on someone, if you say something to someone who isn't a believer, man, you're going to ruin how they see Christ and how they see God. And that's on you. If I, if I do that, that's on me. And Satan would love for you to do that. Satan would love for all of us to say, to lash out on someone, to, to build them or to tear them down. Because if Satan can use what we do to ruin what others see in God, then Satan's, he's, he's winning. But we know that we don't, have to, we don't have to lash out on people. We can love them in the proper way. We can allow our words to build people up. And I pray that we're not the people who turn others away from God because of how we live our life and our character. Let's turn over to 1 John chapter 3 and verse 11. All right, I'm going to turn there with you. I think I have other verses on the screen as well, so I'm just going to start reading. 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. 
we know that it, we know that John is writing to Christians here in this in the context of this passage. And so, as I'm reading this, have your fellow believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, in mind. It says in verse 11, "For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain who was." of the wicked one and slew his brother and wherefore slew he him because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous marvel not my brethren if the world hates you we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren he that loveth not his brother abideth in death whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him hereby perceive we, the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are, the tr- are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before him. I love this. First John is just a really great book, really great application of how we should, how we should uh, love God and follow after him and how we should treat our, our fellow believers in Christ. Look down in there in verse number 16. It says, Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. We know that Jesus, Jesus Christ when he died on the cross, he wasn't forced. He wasn't forced to, to just lay down. He, he laid down his life willingly for us. And we have the greatest example in Christ of how we should be able to have the same sacrificial and giving love to others. And in verse 17, it says, no, verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Another way of saying that is love in action. A lot of times we say, we say things, but we don't back them up with action. And we know that Jesus Christ, he told people that he came to seek and to save that which was lost, and he put action to those words. We know for a fact that if Jesus Christ didn't die on the cross, if he didn't shed his blood, that there would be no forgiveness of sins. And Jesus Christ, being the propitiation for us all, cleanses us from our sin. And Jesus Christ, he put action to his words. He didn't just tell the disciples that, you know, you go and preach the gospel, go baptize people, and he, it's not like he didn't do any of that. Everything that Jesus Christ was pouring into the life of the disciples, he already did. He was already putting all that into action, and so we should do that too. And so it's sad when we as Christians, we, we say that we love someone, but there's no action. Or we say that we love God, and we we want to live for God, but there's no action behind that. And so let's, let's be warned here today that let's not just be a Christian who says, but a Christian who does and lives what they say because it will make a difference in our lives and others. Another reason why it's important to love one another is because people will know who you belong to. And I saw this quote about agape love. I just had to share it. It says, a love that loves without changing. It is a self-giving love that gives without demanding or expecting repayment. 
It is love so great that it can be given to the unlovable or unappealing. It is love that loves even when it is rejected. Agape love gives and loves because it wants to. It does not demand or expect repayment from the love given. It gives because it loves. It does not love in order to receive. I like to put myself in, in, this, in this quote that I was the unappealing, that I was the rejecter. And what kind of love did Christ have for us? He had the agape love. I don't know about you, but I did not get saved the first time that I heard the gospel. I specifically remember my first Sunday or second Sunday or whatever it was, pastor came up to me. And I was in the second row. He asked me, hey, where would you go today if you were to die? And I was like, I think I'll be okay. That's what I said. I told him that. Okay, so I don't know about you, but I didn't get saved the first time that I heard the gospel. And so we were a rejecter of it. We are the unappealing in our sin and our brokenness and our wickedness, but God, he's looked at us and had that love for us. And so there might be times in life where you go through something and someone hurts you, but I promise it's not, it's not as bad as you and I putting Jesus on the cross. We are the reason that he was there because of our sin. He, he died for our sin. And so What's having agape love? A love that loves even when it's rejected. A love that gives and loves because it wants to. Are we, are we loving because we want to or because we have to? There's a, there's a, God knows the heart. All right? God sees our motives and he knows why we do what we do. Do we give a love that doesn't demand or expect repayment from a love? A lot of times we, we love, we do something for someone in return. And it's like, maybe like years later, you're like, don't you remember what I did for you back then? You owe me one. And so that's not, that's not real love, okay? We should be loving people, not expecting anything back. And I know for a fact that if we just recognize the kind of love that God had for us, the agape love and what Jesus did for us, it'll, it'll help us love, love better. And even though this is a simple truth today, it's very challenging because when you're, when you're in your week and you're outside of church and you're, you get frustrated and you get busy and you just kind of do, do something in your flesh, you recognize how easy it is to love yourself more. And so, when, like I said before, the, the reason we should love because people will know who we belong to. It says in John 13, 34, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. In verse 35, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have loved one to another. And so Jesus is saying here, we should love one another because he loved us. And if, and if people see that, they'll know that we are his disciples. Are you, are you going to be a Christian? Am I gonna be a Christian that people don't even know? Oh, I didn't even know you were a Christian. That, that would be a very sad statement to hear from someone, right? And so let's represent Christ this week. Let's represent him well. Let's get out of bed and, and choose to live for him and to love others around us, knowing that it, it will be difficult. No one, no one promised me that when I became a Christian that everything was just going to be so easy, that everything was just going to be 
a rainbow ride to heaven, all right, or whatever, or, or just, a, just an easy, easy, easy train. It's not. And that's okay because we have God on our side. We have the Holy Spirit. We have everything we need to love people as we should. And so first of all, our, we can love better by recognizing our debt to love. And secondly, today, we can love better by putting on Christ. Look at there in Romans 13, verse 11 through 14. It says, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time, to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, and the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, and not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. The last part of chapter 13 is talking about that our salvation it being nearer than when we first believed. So whenever you got saved, however many years ago it was, from that moment to now, the moment that Christ is coming back is sooner. And so I just want to ask today, where is the urgency today? Where is the urgency to live for Christ and to walk with Christ? Because we know that time is limited. All right? It says in James that your life is but a vapor. And so we should have an urgency and a desire to live as children of light, to put on that armor of light that Paul writes about in Romans 13. Satan loves when believers aren't living for Christ. So many times we try to get rid of the bad. And we, we, may, we might pray a prayer like, God, please help me to get rid of this sin. Please help me not to do this sin anymore, God. I don't, I don't want to do it anymore. But when we try taking out the bad and we don't replace it with any of the good, then what's the point, right? We need to, you know, we, we, we should desire to put on the armor of light, to walk with Christ, to walk as children of light, and to live for him. And we can get rid of the bad, but we need to, we need to replace it with the good as well. Reading our Bible every single day. Pastor says it all the time that he believes that the number one thing that Satan attacks in every believer's life is their time in the word. Because if, if you can get distracted and not be in the word, then you're not going to have any, any defense. You're not going to be fed spiritually. You're not going to have that, that uh, the ability to know what's happening. And so for any Christian here, we need to cast off works of darkness. It says there in verse number 12, let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. The illustration is from uh, taking off and putting on clothes. When you get dressed every day, you get dressed appropriately to who you are and what you plan to do. The Greek word and the phrase to put on is in duo. It means to sink into, to put on, to clothe oneself. And so every single day when we wake up, we get ready for our day. And I was talking about this with, the, uh, with someone. And a lot of times we, we care a lot about our outward appearance. You know, when we leave the house, we make sure we brush our teeth, some of you, and we brush our hair and we, <laughs> sorry, and we, we get clothed for what our day is, what's ahead of us, right? We, we get prepared outwardly, but so often we don't get prepared inwardly. And we don't ask, we don't, 
ask God to help us with our day. We don't, we don't, do any, we don't acknowledge God at all. And we can get caught in that trap. We can get caught in being so prepared outwardly, but when we walk out of the door, we're not prepared inwardly. And we know that we should be doing those things. It's, it's the simple things that we should do that we often neglect. And I saw this quote, just part of, a partial quote from Spurgeon. It says, the rags of sin must come off if we put on the robe of Christ. There must be a taking away of the love of sin. There must be a renouncing of the practices and habits of sin. And you may say, the love of sin. Yet, yeah, If sin wasn't enticing or if we didn't love sin, we wouldn't do it. And so in our flesh, we choose sin sometimes over God. But I want to encourage you today, if you're saved and you're a Christian, death has no power over you. Sin has no more dominion over you because when you got saved, you became a new creature in Christ. The old has passed away and you are new. And so you don't have to be stuck in the cycle of sinning and asking God for forgiveness and sinning and asking God for forgiveness. And that's not what God's plan for your life is. I remember, we remember the children of Israel, they were stuck in that same cycle. But what did they do? They, they messed up. They neglected what God said. They asked God for forgiveness and then God forgave them. And then they messed up and they sinned and neglected God and they cried out to God and God helped them. And, guess, and they were just, they were all messed up. And so we don't, we don't have to be like them either. We don't have to be in the constant state of sin, pray and ask for forgiveness, sin, pray and ask for forgiveness, right? Sin doesn't have any power over us anymore. We know that Christ, he conquered death in the grave, and, and the Bible says, death, where is your sting? And so we can cast off the works of darkness. We don't have to live in that way anymore. We don't have to, we don't have to go to the old man in the way that we were. And putting on the armor of light, this is related to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. It says there at the end of verse 12, and let us put on the armor of light. When we put on Christ, we put on the armor of God and we are equipped to defend and to be prepared of what's to come. In Ephesians, it talks about putting on the armor of God and the same phrase in Ephesians to put on is the same Greek word here in Romans, in duo. It says there in Ephesians 6, verse 11, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girded about with truth and having the breast, on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you should be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so when we are living our life, you know that we have everything that we need at our disposal to live a successful life as a Christian. We have, we have the Holy Spirit. We have the ability to go to God and ask for his wisdom. We have the ability to put on Christ, to put on the armor of light, and to put on the armor of God. And so when we, when we are making mistakes and we are choosing to sin and walk and not cast off the works of darkness, there's no excuse, right? You, you're either living for God and you're, and you're walking as a child of light or you're 
you're living in sin. And we know that we cannot do both. We can't have a foot in the world and a foot in God because those two will start to blend and, you're, and you, you will start to show. And so let's, let's make an effort this week to put on Christ, to cast off the works of darkness. And you know why? It's, it's because we cannot defend what the devil try, uh, throws at us on our own. If we were to try and defend what Satan throws at us, if we, try to, if we try to go against Satan and what he tries to do against us, we'll fall flat. And that's why God gives us so, much at our, so many tools and so many things that are access that we can use to defend Satan's attacks. The whole armor of God. And we, we, may, we have to be able to put that on to stand against what Satan, the wiles of the devil. And Jesus told Peter, he said, Peter, Peter, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. All right, so Satan, his goal is to destroy us. His goal is to walk around seeking whom he may devour, right, as a roaring lion because he's looking for the, he's looking for the people who are on guard. And every single day we have to be on guard. We have to ask God to guard our hearts and guard our mind. And so putting on putting on the armor of light in Romans 13 to put on Christ is a very important choice that we need to make every day. Because if we're just kind of walking through our day and we're not asking Christ for, our bless, or for his ability to, his armor to help us and protect us, we're gonna get blindsided. I don't know about you, but when I play football, getting, getting hit in the shoulder where you can't see and, se- and sends you flying, it hurts really badly. All right, Grandpa, come up here. No, I'm just kidding. I was gonna tackle him, but... <laughs> But when, you, when you're just walking about your day and you're not, you're not asking God for his wisdom, you're not putting on the armor of light and you're not putting on the armor of God, you're going to get blindsided. And don't let your guard down because Satan has his, doesn't have his down. And just be careful this week when you're, when you're just out and about. You know, make sure that you're, that you're purposely living for Christ and that when you do all these things, when you, when you recognize your debt to love, when you put on Christ, it'll help you love better. Because if you're not, if you're not recognizing your debt to love, if you're not walking with Christ, if you, if you can't cast off the works of darkness, then you're not going to be concerned about other people. Because when we choose to sin, we are full of pride, right? When we choose to please our flesh, it's because we want to do what the, our, our pride wants. And we go against what God wants for us. If we can't cast off sin, we're going to be hindered. And we're going to, and when that happens, our love for others will also be hindered because we will be more concerned about what we want and what the flesh wants. Instead of loving sin, we need to love people like Jesus. Instead of becoming engulfed in the world and its pleasures, we need to walk honestly. It says there in verse 13, let us walk honestly as in the day not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. As Christians, these lists of sins, Paul writes, should never be associated with us. Not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering. And, you know, the truth is today that the flesh will be as active as we allow it to be. Right? The flesh will have as much power over our life as we allow it to. And, we have, a, we, have a, we have a work to do in walking properly as in the day. It isn't as if Jesus 
does it for us as we sit back. Instead, he does it through us as we willingly and actively partner with him. The end of the chapter, Paul says again to put on Christ. And this is being emphasized in the passage of scripture. Why do you think Paul is saying here, put on the armor of light, put on Christ? Because he knows how important it is for Christians to walk honestly in the day, to, be, to represent God's kingdom and to do it in a way that points others to him. So the, the first part of the, is loving others, right? Loving others as yourself, loving your neighbor. The Bible has a lot to say about how we should love each other as believers, but also another benefit of loving others like Christ does is because that's a way to reach out to people, right? The God, we know the gospel is the, the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the love that he had for us. But when someone who's a Christian exemplifies that love into an, a non-believer's life, it, it might help them see that there's something different about this person. Like, where does, this per, where does the love come from that this person has? And you can say, it's from Christ. Let me tell you about how he changed my life and he forgave me of my sins, right? We, we love people, and that's a great way to represent Christ and to share the gospel and you can see so much done through your life if you simply just love others as yourself, if we love better. If we are truly walking honestly and putting on Christ, then we will be able to love others better than ever, ever before. And it says there in verse 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provisions for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. A while back, I was reading this passage of scripture with my girlfriend. And one thing that really jumped out at me is that verse, Romans 14 or Romans 13, the end of the chapter. And it says, not, make not provision for the flesh. Another way to say that is don't make plans to satisfy your flesh. Think about that. When you, when you choose to sin, when you choose to act out against God and to sin, you're the one, I'm the one who's making the plans to gratify the desires of the flesh. It's not a blame game. A lot of times we as Christians, we like to play the blame game. Oh, I just struggle with this sin because of so-and-so or this and that. But the Bible is very clear here that you're the one who's not supposed to make plans or provisions to satisfy the flesh. And so when we sin and we choose sin over God, we are actively making a plan to satisfy our flesh. But we should be saying, making a plan to putting on Christ and to, being, uh, and to putting on that armor of light. And so that verse really stuck out to me because, you know, a lot of times we, we kind of, oh, it's just my sin nature. And I just, it's who I am because of my flesh. But truly today, we, can, we don't have to make provision. We don't have to make plans to fulfill the lust of our flesh. And so I, I pray that today that it was a challenge to, to for, as it was for me, to love better, to recognize our debt to love, to put on Christ, to not, be, not fake your Christianity, not to just be trapped in the routine of Christianity, the mundaneness. That word mundane is kind of like losing, a, you, losing your passion, just kind of just filling in your spot so... No one from staff calls you or gives you a call. Like, hey, where were you this week? Okay. 
And so let's not, get, let's not get stuck in that trap of losing our passion. It's exciting to be a Christian. It's, ex- it's exciting to, to know the love of God, to experience the love of God. It should be exciting to wake up every day and to read your Bible and to pray with God and have fellowship with other believers. I don't know about you, but I absolutely love coming here on a Sunday morning, a Sunday night, a midweek, and just getting to talk and, and hang out. And so most of the time, I'm hanging out with the kids, but it's great. You know, they, they make jokes, and they, you know, we, we have a good time. But for all those who are here on a Sunday morning, you, you're, you're in a busy work week, and you just feel tired and worn out. It's just great to be around like-minded people, right, being of the same mind and the same love. And so I pray that this week that we're able to go out into our workplace or just the community in general and to, to love others. Love your neighbor as yourself and pray and ask God to help you grow in that area. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.